Teachers Talk film. I'm Pete Ray here with my good friend, fellow teacher, Mitchell Maine. Mr. Maine, what's good? Oh, a lot is good, man. Um, spring is finally here. I know, obviously, we had break, but consistent warm weather. Um, you start to listen to kind of like the summer jams that you only play in the summer, and we're getting to that point of the year. So things are looking up, man. Things are looking up. I just made a just made a playlist yesterday. I was like, I need some, just some slow, some slow jams, some chill music because those are the the summer. The summer tunes you just need to yeah kick back what are some songs you got up on there uh oh my you know how long this playlist was i'm not even done it's a, a day and a half long so <laughs> uh, we could be here a while but you know a good mix of like there's some a tribe called quest on there um they've got some laid back songs uh the dire straits you ever listen to the dire straits oh yeah oh yeah Come oh yeah now. i love them uh, Mac DeMarco, maybe one of the chillest dudes alive. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, good mix in there. Um, one question. Yeah. Um, you have Summertime by Kenny Chesney on there, obviously. <laughs> yes. I mean, if the, if the word summer is in the song, it's, it kind of has to make it, right? Country is only acceptable through the months of April to mid-August. You know, I used to listen to country music all the time, and I would I would totally agree with you now. It's like, if you're listening to country music in January, yeah. That's like, not it. That's not it. Yeah. Unless you're listening to, like, some old country stuff where it, it was a little more real. Like, country music used to be a little more depressing. Um, that That's the January music there. Yeah, some cash is always acceptable. Um, yes. And that's about as far as my <laughs> country music knowledge goes. But yeah, Cash uh, and Kenny Chesney. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, those are two dudes. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, today we are talking. We're talking Blade. Um, but before we get to Blade, we've got a we got some things to catch up on. Yes. Last last episode we talked about. Uh, and you know, it kind of works since we're doing technically a Marvel movie today. Uh, Moon Knight premiered. Second episode is out now. Uh, did you watch the first episode? I did. I'm like, I have like 11 minutes left, I think. Um, what What was so important that you could not finish the last 11 minutes? Uh, Shelby got home. And so oh, I, yeah, I had to chit chat a little bit. <laughs> And play the good husband card there um but yeah no i i really liked it um i will say like it's with marvel shows especially i feel like it's a hit or a miss um and so far from what i'm seeing i think this is going to be a hit i think uh it provided enough to keep me wondering and it provided enough to get me intrigued i really liked uh I always think it's kind of cheesy sometimes when like you'll hear the voices and characters heads like and it's like the dual personality thing like Jekyll and Hyde does it really well. My dog's just going crazy in the background. Um, Jekyll and Hyde does it really well. Um, And some not as well. I think Moon Knight so far it's it's doing it the right way. I really like also just how 
you just how sleep deprived this guy is and just his whole acting like he's just you can tell he's just going through it day in and day out and the the creature like i my knowledge is very minimal the creature that like pops up randomly in the quick shots like that was really cool maybe you can talk more about that but yeah man i'm 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 hooked i'm ready to obviously finish the last 11 minutes and then jump into the next episode yeah i'm with you i I, I watched the last 11 minutes, you know, probably like eight or nine of those are credits. The credits on these Marvel shows are just un, unbelievably long. Um, but yeah, I really like the voice in his head just sounds really good. It sounds like it's not him. So I like that. I was definitely not at all ready for Oscar Isaac's uh, accent. It, I was like, because I feel like in the trailer, we didn't hear that accent. So I was that was bizarre. That took me probably 20 minutes to get used to. Like, okay, he's just going to talk like this. This is this is who he is. And yeah, I liked also the... You talked about him being sleep deprived. I liked all the little details they threw in there that like something weird is going on. Like he has to tie himself to a post. He's got the sand around his bed to see if he's been sleepwalking. There's that, yeah, that scene where he tries to... He's like getting in bed and then he's trying to not fall asleep. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the puzzles and things like that. So I like that. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I like is just, I really like those stories where like somebody gets pulled out of their reality into a different one. And I think what's cool about this one is we, we're not pulled out there with him. Like we're stuck with him too. We don't, we we kind of get the gist of what's going on where this other person is taking him over and like killing all these people and then we're back with him so i really like that and i'm also excited for the like when we really get to see him go to town on some dudes uh yeah yeah it very much feels like like we're not supposed to know some things just like he's not supposed to like we're following along with it like we're we're almost like another extension of of him, just just as curious. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I want to see obviously more of the Marvel esque actiony type of stuff. I don't think that's going to drive this narrative, and I'm glad. Um, but it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Yeah, we'll we'll have to keep talking about it. Yeah, and I like that they're getting darker and. I mean, that's, that's probably something we'll talk about today, uh, a dark Marvel movie. Yes. And I guess the last thing is I think the Moon Knight suit looks sweet. It looks yes. so cool, the all white. Um, and, oh, you, yeah, it just looks, it looks way cool. Yeah, I've only seen the stills of it, but I mean, yeah, okay. I think that's what pulled me in initially. I was like, okay, this is sweet. And then obviously the trailer did seem... Um, kind of dark which we talked about it in the last episode but just yeah. how marvel is more of the the kid-friendly superhero vein um opposed to like the dc um but yeah this one's got a little bit more edge to it um yeah it, i'm i'm excited man i'm excited yeah you gotta watch those last 11 minutes you get you get a little more suit action yeah do i need to watch all eight of the credit eight minutes of the credits there I couldn't tell you because I definitely did not watch that. So I don't think there's anything. You know what? There probably is something at the end. I feel like, uh, I mean, post-credit scenes, that's their thing. And I'm pretty sure there were some in in Loki and 
maybe even WandaVision. So, I, yeah, I probably missed something. I think there was in WandaVision for sure. Yeah, I think Loki as well. Yeah, there definitely was. There definitely was. So, you might have a leg up on me then. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. Moving, moving on. Um, something I saw this week on the the twitter verse the twitter sphere the interweb um and you know just like everything on twitter it lasted for maybe a day or two that's just the internet in general but a a bunch of movie accounts are just really really fans of movies were tweeting four movies that they thought were masterpieces uh no titles and just just like stills or images from those movies and I, I really enjoyed looking at those and seeing what people thought were masterpieces and seeing, is this person making a joke or are they serious about <laughs> making this movie a masterpiece? So I enjoyed those. And I thought, you know, how can we transfer that to, to the podcast? So what I've decided is we need to uh, maybe summarize the plots, maybe talk about the characters of one or two uh, movie masterpieces and we got to try and figure them out and the the ttf nation as you like to say the audience of none they they can try and figure it out as well so take it away let's hear it i I am i'm ready i'm ready okay um i have two um difficulty levels are varying so I'll, i'll start with a softball for you okay i'm ready um so you just want to give want me to give you just a just a brief synopsis. Here. Yeah. Okay. Um three high school friends go on That's a all- <laughs> I, I mean I, I think I got it already, but <laughs> should should I say it or should you continue? Uh let me continue because okay. you know it. Um you know me. <laughs> Three high school friends go on a journey to accomplish something so trivial yet so influential in their own mind. Try to keep it a little cryptic there, but you already know what it is. <laughs> yeah, does this movie feature um, feature some uh, pretty funny cops? Uh, I would say so, yes. Um, and maybe a character named McLovin? Um. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we're we're talking super bad. We we are talking super bad. Um, and I know film buffs or whatever, whoever is watching this audience of none, TTF Nation, <laughs> um, might not agree with me, but I do think Super Bad is a masterpiece. Um, I think some of the history. Seth Rogen wrote it when he was in high school. Um, and I think like just that fact alone makes it so authentic. Um, and the relationships between the three main characters, um, I almost said Joe Rogan, Jonah Hill, um, Michael Sarah, and then obviously McLovin, like just the way they capture male friendships in high school and like what they think is so important is so stupid and trivial and like from the outside looking in like you're just laughing with them and at them at the same time um just laughing every other scene um just so many quotables um quotables that i will not share on the pod um 
just a just a great film came out at the perfect time in my life too like eighth grades around that time of my life so you talk about just a true comedy like it's my stepbrothers you love stepbrothers yeah super bad is my my go-to comedy of all time um yeah I, I don't think people would disagree with you that it's a masterpiece i think it's up there for a lot of people that that yeah especially probably our age range because you're right it came out at the right time and was just like you you got to see this movie because everybody's talking about it and yeah th- i don't know that might be one that we uh eventually talk about on the podcast because it's it's very much not uh, not that our kids are doing that but the characters in that in that movie there's some truth there there's some truth there's some reality in yeah what what you said that they what they value that there's truth there for sure it's obviously satirized but just the way like they interact with each other like even in the school setting like just running away not running away but just like ditching their class to go talk to their buddy as he's playing soccer and pe class and just talking about the stupidest things like yeah like you see that kind of stuff so it's it's just great it's great yes no doubt well you you mentioned one of my masterpieces uh stepbrothers i that was one of you were gonna do yeah i i think it's a masterpiece and it, it's weird to call stepbrothers a masterpiece but i i i don't know i think it's one of it's top three funniest movies of all time for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, a comedy masterpiece is very different than uh, other movies that we could talk about. But th- again, the quotability of Stat Brothers, the the sheer stupidity of it. I Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are perfect. Um, there's just, yeah, so many funny moments in that. And then, yeah, you got like the Seth Rogen cameo. Uh, there's, it's just, it's perfect. It's hilarious. I wonder for our like 15 Twitter followers, uh, <laughs> if we were to like make a poll, like which comedy is more classic or whatever, however you want to word it, stepbrothers yeah. or super bad. I feel like it would be a pretty even split. I feel like those are the juggernauts of contemporary comedy for our I, group. I would probably. I think you have to kind of give the edge to super bad because like I said, the super bad, bad characters are realistic. I hope, I hope to everything that um, <laughs> Brennan and Dale are, are not, are not real people. Um, but so yeah, they're super bad's a, a little bit more grounded in reality, um, which I think makes a little more classic, but yeah, those are definitely up there. Those two thousands comedies. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, we have to talk about them at some point. Once yeah. we build our catalog, I think we can maybe get into some of those. That's a summer. That's a summer episode, I think. Totally. Yeah. I think the comedy episodes are tough too because it's it it's going to just turn into us quoting the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's in like we said, some quotes cannot be said on this pod. Yes. Um, Yes. Uh, all right. Hit me with one more. I got another one. I'm going to be surprised if you get this one. Um, it's older. 
Okay. Um, and it's on my mind because it's what I'm going to show my kids next week. Um, synopsis. Ex-cop slash detective suffers tragic injury, making him afraid of heights and goes on a quest to... I got it. Rekindle a love with someone who he quote unquote thinks is the real person. Uh definitely a masterpiece. Are are we talking vertigo? We we are talking vertigo, my friend. I'm I'm pumped. You got that. I'm yeah. I don't I don't think I would have gotten it without the heights thing. That that would have made it tough. But yeah, the heights thing definitely. I'm glad you're showing that in film studies. Well We'll talk about that at the end. What's going yes. on with that? Because yeah, that's an awesome movie. Awesome movie, dude. One of the things with the heights, um, <laughs> the bad, like one of the only critiques I have with it. You've seen it, obviously. Um, yeah. There's the scene where like um, Scotty's talking to Midge at the beginning, and like he's basically telling her that he's afraid of heights, and like she busts out like a step stool or something, like a mini ladder. And, like, he takes, like, three steps upward and, like, he starts freaking out and, like, okay. <laughs> like, like you're, like, dude, you're, like, four feet above ground, like, and he's just freaking out. Um, but, no, classic film. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to mix it up with these kids. They're demanding that I show La La Land at some point. Um, what? Yeah. And so I don't know, I might do that with like a blockbuster unit towards the end where then they pitch their own blockbuster film. Um, but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to show some things that they've never seen before. And I'm OK with the backlash and the, they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate it. OK, I can't wait to circle back to that because I'm experiencing some of the same stuff. OK, a, a brief La La Land um, divergence here real quick. We talked about La La Land. Just real quick in my film studies classes, probably, I don't know, two months ago. And I I was like, who's seen La La Land? And probably six hands went up. And like four of them were 14 and 15 year old boys. <laughs> I was like, what? And I some uh, that just surprised me. Nothing wrong with that. I think everybody should watch that movie. I think it's great. Uh, and some of them were like, yeah, that movie's awesome. And I was like, or they were a little afraid to say that. I said, don't be afraid to say that you like La La Land. I know they're singing and dancing, but come on. It's awesome. It's great. I think that's why a lot of my kids like it. Cause I do have a lot of kids in band and are into the arts and things yeah. like that. And so like one kid came to me in my plan and he was like, we should watch La La Land and do blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I like the idea. Um, <laughs> But it's like, yeah, I want to give you something you haven't seen before. But I respect La La Land. I love the movie. Great, great movie. Yeah, my uh, La La Land in film studies is I got a kid that will not. I mean, I get it once a week that we have to watch uh, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he might not be wrong. He might not be wrong. Yeah, and you know what? I, I was thinking about just caving in and just being like, all right, we can do something with this. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah, I like it. Give me your uh, your next your next one. I'm kind of nervous. 
Yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to call an audible. I had one in mind, but after you said yours, this one popped into mind. So I think, I feel like it's perfect. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Don't know if you've seen this. Okay. Um, a man bound to a wheelchair and stuck in his house by himself watches his neighbors and tries to solve a crime. Is this also an Alfred Hitchcock film? It is. Is this um, Rear Window? This is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you when you mentioned Vertigo, I was like, oh my God, I got Alfred Hitchcock. I love Rear Window is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie. So I was like, oh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, so I've seen it. Um, and that, I think that's actually the first Alfred Hitchcock film I saw. Um, and I really liked it. It was kind of before I really started thinking about like truly looking at films, I'm going to need to give it a rewatch. Um, we should just have like a week where we just do like some Hitchcock films. This could be another summer pod episode. Yes. We just like bust out two Hitchcock films or something like he's one of my favorite directors. Um, yeah, I really like that movie. I need to give it a second chance. Vertigo is my favorite Hitchcock. Um, I need to rewatch Psycho as well. Um, I got some homework to do, but I'm yeah, I'm glad I got that one. You know, that would be that would be an interesting five hour long episode where we talk about Vertigo, Rear Window, and Psycho all at once. Uh, we we could just do them all at the same time too, just bouncing from movie to movie. You ne- you're never quite sure which one we're talking about. So 10 minutes after we've started talking about it, that'd be nice. Yeah. Give TTF Nation some homework, man. They gotta, <laughs> we gotta get these guys hip on some classic cinema and what really is good filmmaking. Um, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. That's All a right. summer project, though. Yeah, when we actually have time. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, just furthering the notion that uh, we really need summer break as teachers. To, yeah. to watch copious amounts of movies. Yeah, dude, I'm fried right now, honestly. My brain is, it's, we're, we're not going through it, I would say, because there's always a negative connotation with that, but I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know what's going to get you jazzed up. Are you ready for it? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. We're going to talk Blade. And if you're not, if you're not pumped up to talk a little Blade, you better get going. You better do some jumping jacks. You better, we got to make it happen. <laughs> All right, here we go. Blade, let's get into it. Um, here is our, our synopsis. I also put the tagline in here because I think it's fantastic. Love it, love it. Part man, part vampire, all hero. When Blade's mother was bitten by a vampire during pregnancy, she did not know that she gave her son a special gift while dying. All the good vampire attributes in combination with the best human skills. Blade and his mentor battle an evil vampire rebel who plans to take over the outdated vampire council, capture Blade, and resurrect a voracious blood god. What a synopsis. This movie came out in 1998. This is a Marvel superhero movie. This is obviously before like the MCU and all that stuff. So, um, but Blade, what, what do you want to start with there, Mr. Main? 
Okay, so I'm going to build on literally what you said before the synopsis with um, like getting myself pumped up for this talk, um, because I kid you not, I said out loud and I wrote it down in my little notes um, after I watched this movie, Blade is an energy drink of a film. What that's, a great, what a great that's, metaphor. That's the line. That's that's what we need. We can stop the episode. Um, Blade is an energy drink of a film. It's your bang energy. It's your monster. Um, maybe a little bit too chaotic for your tiny little Red Bull can. Um, but Blade, man, it it delivers a wild, wild ride. Um, Right away. Can I add something to your metaphor here? Yes, please do. That's what we do. Is it also like an energy drink and that it just tastes terrible? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) In many ways. But you know what? I keep sipping it. Oh, my goodness. We're still going. (laughs) We're still going. Do you keep sipping it because you keep waiting like, oh, maybe something will maybe something will change. Maybe I'll start to like this a little bit more. I think I sip it because I get sick of the water that I watch. Um, All right. I'm lost tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can stop. Yeah. The the English teacher is coming out in us. Yeah. We got to take it easy. Yeah. I like it. I like it. No, what I do really, really like about this film, I do have some qualms, um, but I mean, you got to take this film for what it is, I think. Um, And I'll obviously let you talk. Um, uh, but what do I what do I say here? Um, the opening sequence of, after sort of we see the origin of Blade like as a baby um, when we're we're taken into that scene where we just it's the cold blue light throughout the hospital, which I thought was excellent. Um, and then we go to the slaughterhouse where we just see the cold blue fluorescent type of light dragging across like all the the carcasses and all that. And then we get into this underground nightclub and you see the strobe and just like these people just acting a fool. Um, You're like, what is going on? Like, this is obviously weird. And then the bloodbath, the sprinkler shower with the blood and alongside that just red, that red just pops out at you along with the strobing and just again the vampires just acting a fool um you're pulled in right away uh what did you think about that scene so yeah even before that see the opening credits i feel like we've had some movies with good opening credits we talked about that in the he got game episode Mm -hmm. i kind of like the opening credits it's like the the time lapse of the city i thought that was kind of nice and then yeah the bloodbath okay first first part of this movie then i was like okay here's we're getting going is the bouncer to get into the (laughs) that guy is 5,000% vampire (laughs) he's got like the goatee he's seven feet tall and he's almost he's got like the thick mullet I was like okay this is a vampire movie right there and obviously I knew it was a vampire movie so I was looking out for it but I was like yeah he's a vampire that's pretty that's pretty easy uh, and then, yeah, we get to, we get into the, the rave scene, 
I don't even think the character has a name, but he's he's just saying the F word as much as possible, <laughs> which uh, I, I got no issue with, but the, it just sounded so, it was like he was trying to say it every single time. It was like they're trying to say, hey, this is an R-rated movie. You're about to see some stuff. <laughs> the, the being drenched in blood coming out of the sprinklers, I mean, what what a way to start a movie. That's in the first five or 10 minutes. Um, I, I think it was a great choice. Just, it, it's absolutely insanity. The blood, it, I mean, it's disgusting. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a huge blood guy. Not a fan of it. Um, not like that anyways. And I also really liked once Blade shows up, we get the very slow, like tilting up on Wesley Snipes as Blade. He is so stinking cool, man. He is so cool. And the way that they did that, that reveal of him was, was fantastic. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. Just, yeah, it's going bananas. Um, It's all just total chaos. And then in comes blade. It starts at his boots, the shot, and then it pans upward. And like, you see his little like bulletproof vest, his Cape thing. And then he has my favorite part about his whole ensemble is the like the 99 cent black sunglasses that you would get at like a shell gas station from 1994. Just just black. But dude, he wears them so well, along with he looks so stinking cool in those. He is the man. Anybody else like even that one vampire guy takes his shades and he looks stupid. (laughs) <laughs> with blade wearing them they're they're more than passable they're admirable on his face um he comes in i thought it was a little bit ironic how he just goes haywire and he uh starts like basically he pulls out his gun and he starts just shooting up the place I was like wait i thought he was called blade um and so and then eventually <laughs> he takes out his blade and i'm like all right he's sick um but yeah the introduction of blade like that scene was just wild and it, yeah, it, I think that whole sequence there gave a lot of high expectations for the rest of the film. And in ways it delivered and maybe in some ways it didn't. But right away, like I was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to get something from this. Yeah, one I, I, one thing that makes him really cool also that they do a good job showing in that scene is his weapons. The, like even the guns you said yeah he's not using blades the shotgun thing that he's shooting that is shooting and i didn't even realize it at the time that it's shooting the silver spikes because that's what the vampires don't like right those are so cool there's that like we're getting into the fight scene now he's in that circular room and he pulls out that knife that's got the blades on both sides and he just flings it around and it circles the room like Oh my, what a weapon, man. What a weapon. And we haven't even seen the sword yet. Yeah, the, the weapons were fantastic. Fantastic. I, I, I'm, I think I've said fantastic 20 times. I'm banned from the word fantastic for the rest of the podcast. No more. Yeah, you're not allowed to use the F word anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, though. That's, yeah, the one with like the boomerang. I was like, dude, this guy is insane um like he's just doing him like to the best of his ability and with like zero dialogue too obviously like he doesn't need to say anything to just show how cool he is and just how 
dominant he is. I, that first camera shot obviously shows like we're looking up at him and we're kind of like, oh my gosh, like this guy's obviously different. And I mean, obviously he just looks different with his suit and everything, but he's the man. Um, he then, I think what happens is then he uh, goes in, obviously he has that scene you just mentioned, and then he meets up. Um, he somehow, I can't remember how exactly, but he like ends up at the hospital and he sees the Karen. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, there's one quick thing right in there because he he stakes the the vampire. His name's Quinn, and he's important in the rest of the movie. And he like Quinn says a line, but basically Blade has killed him multiple times, and he keeps coming back. But there was one little part in there where he literally sets this guy on fire, and then the cops and the firemen show up. <laughs> the cops have zero reaction to this. There is literally a man. <laughs> on fire in front of them and i think it's either a cop or a fireman just goes put him out that's literally the only thing we get i i think that if you saw a man burning in a bloodbath you'd be like hey this is freaking me out and they're just like no this is this is every day in in this city we're putting out a vampire no big deal they could have been vampires though i guess that's true yeah he does talk later in the movie that they own the cops so yeah, they're literally everywhere i, I did think that so. was weird <laughs> yeah the yeah because they're in that circular little it's like that tower looking thing and obviously like blade jumps up and escapes and the dude's just on fire yeah and they're very nonchalant like yeah put him out i do remember that <laughs> yeah so i noticed that but then you're right we get to the hospital scene and we meet um another very important character in dr karen jensen Mm -hmm. um she is yeah she's a doctor we get like kind of a some weird like she's been maybe dating this guy i think his name's curtis like Cody, a nurse or, or another doctor um so yeah we get some of that and then we get we get jump started again when quinn wakes up his charred body wakes up because he's a vampire he regenerates and he bites and well, he kills the guy and then he bites Karen and then Blade shows up again. One, one thing I got to mention about that scene, the toss out the window. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do yeah. Oh my God. Karen, this, this doctor, she's pretty much going to die. Blade is like, I, I can save her. He goes to the edge of the hospital and he realizes that he's kind of trapped and he just throws her like she's a sack of potatoes across a street onto another roof um, with just no remorse, no care. She lands on a nice tarp. The, I, I laughed so much in the first 20 minutes of this movie and that I was laughing so hard at that throw out the window. That was wild. And <laughs> yeah, he just throws her and I'm like, okay, like clearly he's defeating the purpose of trying to save this girl. Um, but then obviously we realize like the, the implications of the bite and everything. Um, yeah. Following that. Um, I think his name was Cody, right? Yeah. You said Curtis. Um, we see him later on in the film as the vampire. I want to circle back to that. Cause that was a weird scene too. Um, yeah, we take Karen back to 
what do you want to call that? His like his headquarters, his lair. What what was that? I would I would I would call that. It's more a headquarters. I feel like a lair. A lair's got to be underground, right? I would say so. Yeah, uh, it's very industrial. Um, we meet Whistler, which he was an interesting character. And, yeah, okay, Whistler, Whistler is played by this. Uh, it's funny we were talking about country music earlier. Do you know anything about Chris Christopherson? Uh, no. Okay, no. so Chris Christopherson is a a famous like country singer. Um, and knowing that going, like I, when I looked at who was in this movie, like obviously we had Wesley Snipes and I saw Chris Christopherson. I was like, wait, that, that cannot be the country music singer. And knowing that going in definitely messed with my expectations of like, oh, what is this guy going to do? Because he's the singer. He is not an actor. I, he's my favorite character. Whistler is the bomb. Uh, go ahead and talk about him a little. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I had no idea. Um, I thought like the way the guy was acting and I'm not an acting coach or anything. I thought the way he was acting, it was kind of like like he was speaking very matter of factly. Like you could tell like he had just read the lines maybe before, but it worked for him. And I really liked his character. I thought like despite that delivery, maybe he he played the role really, really well. He and Blade have a really interesting relationship. Um, I really like the dialogue where Karen and him are talking about in the midpoint of the film. Um, and we get the sense that he was basically Blade's caretaker from a young age because he takes him in um, when he was homeless, which is weird. Why would you just have a kid be homeless? Um, but yeah, Whistler takes him in um I really liked his character he sort of um I was kind of it was unclear like was he also like hybrid vampire was he just part of the action because he wanted to I I didn't understand that so maybe you picked up on that yeah I don't I don't think he's vampire like because he's not taking any serums he's not taking any of that stuff I think he's just yeah, he's just a, a weird guy who, yeah, takes Blade in and, and cares for him. And it's almost like I got the the buddy cop vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd almost like the, the prequel to Blade and it's just Whistler and Blade rolling around the city uh, <laughs> slaying vampires together when Whistler's not as old. Um, because, yeah, Whistler is he's way cool. And yeah, great chemistry between them in that in that scene i i oh my goodness i i, I wrote a quote down because do you know what i'm about to say um i think so i think so <laughs> i'm gonna read it they bring the doctor back she's like freaking out she's convulsing they're worried about her dying and Whistler, like he's done this 50,000 times before, no pressure on him at all. He he, talk, he looks at the doctor. He goes, Dr. Karen Jensen, listen close. I'm going to inject you with allium sativum. And then he pauses it. He goes, garlic. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? Why are we calling it allium sativum? Which I looked up as like this 
the scientific name for it, but just the delivery of the word garlic. I, I, I watched it maybe two or three times. It was so funny. I thought, yeah, I, I knew it had something to do with garlic, what you were going to say. It's yeah. And there's like the little scene, there's the shot where like, I think it's blade or whistler holding the serum and you can tell like, they just took like one of those little like um, label makers or something. And they just put garlic on it. (laughs) And that (laughs) is is where the energy drink started. I started to taste the energy drink. (laughs) That is so it's, you know, it's not their fault, but whoever created vampire lore and was just like, you know what? I think I know what their weakness is. It's garlic. Like, oh man, it, it was just so, so tough. And then we have later on like Blade getting getting the serum and part of the serum is like this garlic stuff that this guy's dealing him almost like it's cocaine. It's, it's just so funny that garlic plays such a huge role in this movie. Yeah, I put garlic injections. Will Karen make it? <laughs> like with a garlic injection. That's so bizarre. Allium, allium sativum. Garlic. Yeah, so you said you looked that up. Explain, tell me what that was. It's. I just looked up. I was like, allium sativum. Why the heck are they calling it that? Because garlic's like a plant. Um, so it's like the the scientific plant name. God, okay, I gotcha, yeah. Yeah, they could have maybe just, I don't know what they could have done. Yeah, it's not their fault. It's the lore of vampires. Yeah, it was just funny to me to build it up like, it. oh, my God, they're injecting her with this crazy serum and it's got this weird name. And then to follow it just with just the one word, (laughs) it's garlic, baby, and it's going to save your life. (laughs) Yeah, so basically from that moment, they they inject her and. Whistler's very much so like they're both very Whistler and Blade. They're both very realistic and kind of rigid. I feel like and they both have soft spots, which I thought was cool to their character. Um, Whistler's like, you got to stop bringing people back here or something to the likes of that. And he's like, we don't know if she'll make it or not. So you're staying up to make sure she's not going to turn. She then obviously doesn't turn. She wakes up and um blade and whistler basically tell the story of what they are and they're vampire hunters um set to basically eradicate or stop just the reproduction of vampires everywhere and frost was sort of this one of the main guys kind of like the the like the vigilantes vigilante um, because like going against the vampire council and stuff um but yeah that was giving some good backdrop in there um what did i say oh yeah they then go out and they meet up with one of um frost's vampire crewmates the police officer um we figure out that blade kind of like set karen up to get closer to frost um yeah, and that's where we learn, like, the vampires are literally everywhere, which made me think, like, how crazy of a world would that have been to live in? Like, I think it's New York City, um, but just infested with vampires. Like, what a world. What a world. And then there's just this dude wearing 99 cent shell sunglasses <laughs> and a black cape with a 
bulletproof vest on just absolutely going bananas just just crazy yeah so one thing about just real quick the whistler like explaining to her hey here's what we do uh, just another funny line he's like yeah we track the migration we track the migration of these vampires so they they may not have always been in this city they they move over the thousands of years that they are alive and then the scene where yeah blade drops the doctor off and the first thing i thought he drops her off in the worst part of town i was like she just got bit by a vampire she's freaking <laughs> out and you drop her here but they did they did do a good job of making that make sense because yeah he uses her as bait and then i don't know if it's after this or it's somewhere in between but we get the vampire like council meeting where we meet frost deacon frost a fantastic name for a villain by the way yes um it, like if i ever have a student that's named deacon frost i'm like i'm done i'm not teaching this kid he's <laughs> got to be a, a he's got to be either a vampire or wants to take over the world if your name's deacon frost it's just gonna happen <laughs> but yeah i like that scene because we get the he's like the hot-headed vampire and we learn that he's not a true-blooded vampire so we're getting more of that vampire lore which is cool um but then yeah he there's a, there's also a, a line I don't know who says this but they say vampires hominis nocturna so we're really hitting the scientific language in this movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote down more quotes for this movie than any movie we've done so far I like how you're getting down all the the scientific quotes um because I did like those I didn't write them down I wrote down some other just bizarre ones that made me either like face palm or genuinely start laughing um, well I, I have another one this this may be a scientific term we'll find out um i believe blade says this he says tell him it's open season on all suckheads." <laughs> i wrote that one down too. <laughs> is a is a suckhead the scientific term for a vampire I wrote that one down too. I uh, I rewinded that because I was I was like, is he saying suckheads? <laughs> suckheads. Like the other thing I was thinking, like not that we could ever, ever, ever show Spoomy in class, but that line right there. If he would say that in a room full of fifteen year olds, I don't know if the room will be quiet for fifteen minutes. <laughs> we talk about um, kind of like on the nose dialogue and this is on the nose dialogue that i love because it just works if it's anybody other than wesley snipes delivering it i'm shutting off the movie at that yeah. point <laughs> and that's the thing when he says it it's it's not it's kind of cool when he it's, says it's it. hard dude yeah I think, I think wesley snipes with the shell sunglasses on could maybe say any sentence <laughs> ever said and you just be like man he knows what's going on. He's cool. <laughs> There's another one. It's later on in the film. Um, but since we're on just outlandish quotes, um, it's right at the finale. And it's when he's dueling with Frost. Um, he says, some mother bleepers are always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> it's like, who says that just on the spot? <laughs> and the fact that 
he's doing this. He's this is the the ending of the movie. This is the craziest part. He's killing the bad guy, and we're going to mix the word mother effer with ice skating uphill. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, how can that how can people write that and just be like Yo, that is that is one of the coolest lines that he's gonna say the whole entire movie. Mother effers always be trying to skate uphill. You're joking me. At that point, I was like, I was accepting of it. I was like, all right, you you've done enough here. You say whatever you want, Mr. Blade. I'm okay with it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm glad you brought that up. That was that was so good. Another I'm gonna stick with the quotes because I got another one before that this is in the ending scene they're on like the elevator it's just uh quinn the weird vampire and deacon frost and they're going down and it's they're like following the blood trail down and things are just going crazy and i believe quinn might have the sunglasses i know what you're gonna say (laughs) he says he says uh he either says we're gonna be gods or i'm gonna be a god and then he says i'm gonna be a god i'm going to be a naughty vampire god yes that's exactly what i knew you were gonna say like like they are they're about to become they're about to take over the entire human race and all quinn can think of is like ooh, i'm gonna do some crazy stuff now that i know i'm gonna live forever that yeah and because it was quinn i didn't even know the dude's name so i'm glad you bring it up um because it was quinn it's it's a terrible line it's a terrible line um if blade were to say something of the sort which he does and we just referenced two of those quotes it's cool but since it's him and he's like we said he cannot pull off the 99 cent shell glasses um and he delivers that line I'm tasting the energy drink there. I'm staying with that analogy there. I'm yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's there's one other quick one where this is in the same scene and there's all the skeletons are swirling around. There's all this craziness and it cuts to Quinn. If you can't tell, I kind of like Quinn. He's just <laughs> ridiculous. It cuts to him and he's just screaming the F word. He's just like, ah! <laughs> screaming it and it's like one second of a shot with all this crazy stuff going in and they were just like we need him saying the f-word right here this is (laughs) this is perfect he was just he was like the comic relief that we didn't need but we did need at the same time yeah there's the other scene we're sticking we're just kind of talking about the ending now because this is another one um Deacon Frost has the he has Blade sword mm-hmm. and he's for some reason he's like joking about testing it like he's like wants to cut something with it and he says Quinn to hold out his hands and that, that was like a gag throughout the whole movie that Deacon keeps getting his hands cut off and he's got like these nubs and he looks at him and he's like but the, they're brand new I just got them and then there's a weird he's like about to cut his hand and then he just stops that's all that happens. I was yeah I didn't know what that was like what was Frost doing is he yeah because this like he gets his hand Quinn gets his hand cut off like three times I think two or yeah something like that um yeah and just obviously keeps regenerating um that was strange um that whole there were a lot of effects in that last scene the effects were something I wanted to talk about 
Um, Let's do it, man. Because I, I have lots to say there, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, when we learn more about Frost and his plan, really, uh, to kind of overthrow the Vampire Council, and we get the scene where we're in his lair, whatever you want to call it, just that white room. I thought that white room was really cool looking. Uh, that was cool. And like the the little roof over the bed that would lift up i thought that was kind of cool you know i think um, i'd enjoy that that sleeping in a capsule like that that'd be sick man i would dig it yeah as long as like i have a big enough bed obviously <laughs> otherwise it's just yeah you're closed in but like when he pulls up um the pages of Erebus, um which is the vampire bible um and then it shows like his world domination plan and it's like uh like a Microsoft Word 1980s, like base level software diagram. Like, I was like, this is great. It's so bad, um, but I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Like I, at this point, I know this is not, it's not a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> go back to that. But just the effect there was so bad, but so good at the same time. Just the fact that we later learn that these these avatars on this this weird 10 second clip that we get, these weird avatar standing shape people are like the most mighty vampires in all of the world. That was so funny to me that they're just like these little green or blue characters. And then it's like, oh, those those guys are the uh, the the head vampires of this whole thing. And yeah, it looks like something that we would have seen in elementary school where, <laughs> yeah, it's word art. You remember word art? Yeah, dude. God, I was obsessed with word art. <laughs> All my papers full of word art. If you're, if you don't know what word art is, you have to go look up word art because it's the, it was the coolest, the coolest thing when you're in fourth and fifth grade, you put it on everything. And then looking back at it now, it's like, what the heck was that? That is so lame. <laughs> You're, you're like a, a graphic designer for whatever you wanted. And you thought it was just so sick. But yeah, now uh, looking back, you're like, oh. Some other some other terrible CGI. Just the, the animation of the vampires dying. Mm. Them turning into like a mini volcano explosion ash, but disappearing at the same time. That was all throughout the movie. Looked pretty bad. The one that really got me really bad when the fight scene between Blade and I guess he's not Deacon Frost anymore. He is La Magra. Yes, yes. La Magra. Uh, he gets sliced in half. and He, he gets sliced <laughs> in half and his, the upper half of his body flies out of nowhere. And then his blood's like, nope, not so fast. And this, yeah. <laughs> the, the blood shoots up and gra- like just pulls his upper body back down. It was like, holy cow, that looks like that looks like 2D ketchup. <laughs> that along with um oh gosh, where do I choose it? Just basically the way he dies when Blade injects him with the serum. Oh, oh god. Yeah, dude. He turns into like an enlarged strawberry laffy taffy and just <laughs> and that's that's what happens with a lot of his uh, little bodyguards or whatever like they just blow up like they just inflate they look like laffy taffies and they just explode 
And don't you think if you were, I mean, I know it's 1998. There, the, it wasn't advanced, so maybe it looked good in 1998. I have maybe a hard time believing that. Don't you think you might not show it as long? Even when he kills his, the, the first time I think we see it is the two bodyguards when he's like right. trying to, he's entering the place. You see a shot of it. It feels like 10 seconds. It feels like you're on it for so long and it's all just bubbling and it looks, it looks animated, like hand-drawn animation, spirited away episode one. <laughs> the blade spinoff. <laughs> Can we talk about, and I'm surprised we haven't mentioned her, it, I don't know what we call this. Oh, God. You know what I'm going to say? Pearl the Pearl. record keeper? <laughs> oh. Why? Why? <laughs> Just like great value brand Jabba the Hut, basically. Yeah, maybe that's what they're going for. But oh, my goodness. And not only Pearl itself. I don't, yeah, itself I'm going to go with. <laughs> Okay, it's gross enough just sitting there. Why do they have to do the UV light burning? And this is the only time that the that Karen Karen Jensen is like an evil person. She just feels like I'm a burn this. I'm a burn this thing. I'm I'm feeling it. It is so disgusting. The Pearl's hands like start to go away. It, the screaming. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> There's one more quotable there. Um I don't know if it's when Karen's doing it or when Blade does it, but with the UV light and then like, it's like the scene where it's like 15 seconds worth of them just putting the light on her or it, and it's just burning to a char and then it stops. And then there's just like a two second pause. And then Blade just says that must've hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Wesley Snipes, killer delivery. It works. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, that that was disgusting. That was disgusting. Uh, one, at, right after that, he blows open the door um, and then he's he gets kind of trapped and then Whistler shows up. He busts through like the wall and he breaks all this glass. I loved that entrance of Whistler coming to save the day. He's got the leg brace on, but just, yeah, busting through and then He's carrying, I think he was, he might have two guns. It might just be one. And he's just opening fire on all of these vampires. That was, that was way cool. That was cool. I did, I did like just kind of the intensity of the film. Like it's a roller coaster of a film. It keeps you on your seat. It keeps you energized um, in good and bad moments. Um, One thing I, I liked too, and I don't know. I was oblivious but did you pick up on the fact that um Frost's little girlfriend was in fact Blade's mom I didn't pick that up until it was deliberately clear I thought that was a twist for me no that was definitely a twist for me too I did not realize it till Blade walks in the room and looks at her and she's looking at him and I was like oh my god that's his mom what (laughs) that that was that was an unforeseen twist, and I I don't think it was a bad one. I liked it. It was it was interesting, and it made me make sense of like, oh yeah, she turned into a vampire. I forgot about that. She didn't die. So yeah, no, I, that twist was yeah. I thought it was a good one. I like it. Um, 
I like how that is part of his origin story because it gives him obviously like the motivation for wanting to slay all the vampires um, as a day walker um, because obviously that's basically what took his mom. Um, day walker, then, a great, a great term as well. The day yeah. walker. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. If we ever start like a intramural or not an intramural, but like a adult basketball team and we find, Somehow we find three other friends who play basketball. Um, we're going to call ourselves the Daywalkers. Um, can I can I tweak that a little bit? You can. Yeah, we're, it's, we're workshopping it. I think we I think we might be a little more menacing if we call ourselves the uh, the Daywalking Suckheads. OK, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Say less. Say less. That that is it. <laughs> the Suckheads. That was the craziest line. Um, but back to the mom, they have a weird little scene there um, where like he's in the little the body chamber. Um, yes. Yeah, this is obviously Blade at one of his lowest points. Um, and then his mom walks up and it almost gets like steamy, man. Yeah, steamy. I didn't know how to say it. Steamy is a good way, but like she's like almost biting his lower lip. Um, she, yeah, she's like looking up at him in a very um, flirtatious way. I was like, what? What am I watching here? I was, I actually wrote that down. I said, weird mom tension. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I was, I mean, I was waiting for him to make out. And it was not, I did not want to see that. I was, I was like, and it, why does any movie that does this back to the future it's like does that need to be in there why these weird time traveling things when you meet your mom or you meet i don't know if it ever happens with a dad what's going on in hollywood that uh where we've got to have this weird like you said flirtatious behavior between um people and their moms i don't want this yeah i think it's um like isn't like freud like there's a freudian philosophy that like you're attracted to like people who are like your parents or whatever and i'm not getting into that but yeah that i i it, i don't think it's justified i don't think it helped enhance the story at all um very weird very weird <laughs> to say the least there is a freud thing and it's driving me insane that i can't think of the name of it um driving me insane can't think of it Oh well, somebody listening is is saying it right now and calling me dumb. Oh well, <laughs> there's another scene right after that that you mentioned steamy and you mentioned flirtatious. Blade gets out of he gets saved by the doctor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to talk about this man. But <laughs> I I'm going to. I'm going to talk about it because. I felt uncomfortable and I was watching this by myself. <laughs> She's like, hey, the only way you're going to do this is you need to bite me. And that, I was like, yo, that makes sense. He needs to kind of turn into a vampire a little bit to do this. I did not think that it need, needed to last a full minute <laughs> and that it needed to be like, this is it was rough man he was he was biting her he was biting her real good and like yanking her towards <laughs> him and like aggressively doing it like he's not like just 
casually sipping some blood like he's getting after it and it made me uncomfortable too and yeah I was alone I was like okay like <laughs> how much longer can I skip a little bit this was and it just kept going I was <laughs> like okay he's got to have enough blood now and she's like I I had the subtitles on it and it was saying at first it said stop and I was like okay now it's getting even weirder and then she's saying don't stop Ugh, no yeah. <laughs> we, we do not need this well this is supposed to be an action movie we don't this is this is weirded me out <laughs> that was weird it's it was weird but it also sort of was his elixir to save the day at the end um, yes and so basically yeah he goes he gets the blood back and um he meets up with frost at the end you we talked about the terrible editing there with his half body um he then injects him with the serum um yeah what are you gonna say there's a very important moment i can't believe we haven't mentioned it already because he's lost his sunglasses but he i can't remember how he gets them back i know quinn has them and somehow they go flying through the air so he, he must hit him somehow because they go flying through the air and he catches the sunglasses and it's like the close-up on his hand. And then, yeah, he puts them on. And at that moment, it's like, this is over. These vampires <laughs> are in big trouble. The sunglasses are on. He's going to work. It's like Hoodie Mellow. It's like when you see Mellow in a hoodie <laughs> playing basketball, you're like, yeah, he's going to drop 40. Like when LeBron lost the headband, it was yeah. like... What this is insane. Yeah. But yeah, he he gets the I, I like that uh Frost thinks that those vials are the serum, and he's like, Oh, you need your serum so you don't turn into a vampire. Ha ha ha. And we're like, No, you're an idiot because these things will kill you if you <laughs> use them. And yeah, he gets injected. What a great moment that he throws the last one up and does the roundhouse kick. Boom. Right that into was his so head. baller. That was so sweet. So, I, I mean, I, and I mean, again, right after he says the line, I, do we want to mention it again? Do we want to men- mention it again? Some other efforts like the ice skate uphill. <laughs> um <laughs> But the, the fact that we have within 10 seconds, we have him kicking that thing. And then we have the, the ice skating line is unbelievable. I can't think of a better 10 seconds that encapsulates this movie. That move um, might have been my favorite like fight moment in the film, despite the, the boomerang at the beginning that we talked about. Um, yeah, that was so stinking cool. <laughs> um anything else in that in that scene i got a few quick little things to talk about but anything anything there he ends that scene and um he says something to the likes of there's still a war um which i thought was cool like that was a cool line um and then we see the end scene where it's the other vampire which obviously is going to lead into the next one um, I thought the way they ended it was good. Obviously, it keeps you on your toes. But what did you want to talk about? Well, I thought I, I just thought of this, that the whole scene in the the eternal night layer thing that we've been talking about, that scene feels like it's 
half of the movie we're in there for so stinking long like we got in there and i was like oh this movie must be ending soon and i paused it 35 minutes left but i was like whoa we got a lot of action here uh i like how you mentioned the very end kind of the end of the end scene where yeah they're in russia uh like that scene's really that is russia right i think so yeah yeah i was like that's not the taj mahal that looks like moscow yeah yeah, we're, we're not geography teachers. Um, yeah, I, I really like that ending scene. One, one other thing. the How about the use of sunscreen in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that, like, you, there's a few rules as a vampire. You don't go outside. You don't go near garlic or silver. But you know what? You put on some S- SPF 65 and you can watch the sunrise with your pals. <laughs> like, and just the way that Deacon Frost looks, he looks like he's in a coat of wax. Uh, I was just, that was hilarious to me. That was just like, oh my, we've been around for thousands of years and we just figured it out. Sunscreen, it works. This is the scene where you're referring to like um, Deacon and Blade see each other in daylight and Deacon has the little girl hostage. Well, and even before that, he takes, I think it's before that, he takes the head vampire out and he's like, hey, you're going to watch the sunrise and the sun comes up and he, he like the head vampire explodes because he can't be in the sun. But yeah, then he he steals the girl. That's what you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, that, that made me laugh. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a loophole we never thought of for <laughs> thousands of years. Um <laughs> And so uh, I thought this this came to me um, that we should we should start the brand. And if we lived in the Blade universe, we could call it Daywalker Sunscreen. <laughs> so Daywalker Sunscreen, let's get the trademark. Let's make the logo Daywalker Sunscreen. And maybe our maybe our tagline, I just thought of this, uh, could be. Oh no, that wouldn't work. I was trying to work the suckheads thing in there, but I guess the the Daywalker sunscreen is for the suckheads. So, yeah, we're like like we said, we're workshopping. Yeah, the suckheads is so gold; it, we can't overuse it. I think. True. Yeah, that's that's our that's our adult basketball team. That's the name. Um, yeah, the Daywalker sunscreen. I think that's great. I just put both of our faces on the t- the bottle. Just two pale boys with little to no pigmentation whatsoever um yeah we're rocking it yeah on a t-shirt we we would be uh we'd be great great uh spokespeople great uh brand (laughs) images for you know if we lived in the blade universe we would definitely be like the cops that they look at or the teachers that they look at and they're like i think they're vampires (laughs) (laughs) all right uh Final thoughts and a score. Where are you at? Yeah. So as I was watching this yesterday, I'm going to get to my score in a second. I have my biggest missed opportunity that they could have done with this film and they didn't. And I was thinking about it last night and driving into work today. Missed, missed, missed opportunity here. Hear me out. Blade, 1998. I, I noticed how a lot of the soundtrack is like it's very high paced, like trancey type music, like almost like the need for speed loading screen music. 
Ooh, great, great reference. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. That was fantastic. I'm about to blow your mind even more, though. Great reference. I know. I'll be here all night. Um, but a missed opportunity to have DMX solely make the soundtrack for this movie. Blades riding in on his motorcycle to save Karen, to save Deacon, and you just hear... Stop, drop, drop, shut him down, open up shop. Oh, oh, that's how rough riders roll. Like, how hard would that have been? I am in complete and utter shock at your brilliance, my friend. <laughs> I, I am, I am near speechless, near speechless. That would have upped this movie at least. At least 10 points. I'm thinking maybe 15. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you know what? You know how you add on to this? Let's hear it. You put DMX in the sequel. Yeah. You, oh. you bring him in. You make him a character. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I, I Sometimes I say on here that we don't know anything about movies. We don't know anything about acting. We couldn't make a, as good a movie as Spike Lee. I, I changed my mind. We could make a movie right now. And it, you know what? It'd be pretty stinking great. Just the soundtrack alone, right there. Oh my goodness, man, that was that was unbelievable. If our wrestling career doesn't work out, <laughs> we could make a movie. We know a little something. We have some tricks up our sleeves. Um, but oh just so goodness. many parallels, and dude. Like, have you seen like the Rough Riders? I think it's the album cover or the album name, the Rough Riders anthem or whatever. Like, it looks like a shot from Blade. Like, he's, like, it's all red and dark. He's not wearing a shirt. Just just thugged out, but just in the best way possible. Missed opportunity. Missed, missed, missed opportunity there. My goodness. I, I am, I am, I, you know, I said that I wasn't going to use the word fantastic, but that, that <laughs> calls for it. That is fantastic. That is, that is amazing. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking... This, this may be a stretch, but our last episode, um, DMX, X, I believe my wrestler name was X-Ray. <laughs> so I, I think if we could somehow work, maybe I'm in the, maybe I'm in the third movie, DMX, DMX Ray as my wrestling persona, we could shoehorn that in there somewhere, uh, We've got a trilogy, guys. We've got a trilogy. <laughs> Pay some homage to DMX while also building up our wrestling careers. It's a win-win. That's how it works DMX in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, we talked to Alfred Hitchcock. That's how he got started. Yeah. He, he just he just brought in a, an old school rapper and um, a few <laughs> a few wrestlers, and and there we we had Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I think we're off the rails. Yeah, but but. <laughs> On in the most beautiful way. Oh, oh, I am I am very happy about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give my score. Um despite the lack of DMX, despite the energy drink taste that was in my mouth all of last night and this morning, it's a fun film. It's you watch it um right away. I think the opening sequence like really, really pulls you in and then it kind of lowers, it loses steam a little bit. Um, it's enough to keep me engaged. It's weird enough 
to the point where I can't look away, even though I really, really want to. Um, good, good movie. It's a good movie. It's a 78 for me. It's a 78. Um, not great. I don't really have a history with Blade. Um, this is very much so like a cult movie. I feel like there's there are going to be diehard Blade fans for eternity. And I, I understand why. I'm not going to be one of them. I am not one of them. Um, (laughs) Maybe if DMX was on the soundtrack, maybe. But I'm laying out of 78 Blade 1998. Um, Wesley Snipes has a large part to that 78. Um, Yeah. What? Let me hear yours. Okay, I'm going to make a very clear distinction here because I gave this movie a 65. Okay because I think it stinks like the, the CGI, the laughable lines. Uh, there's, there's a lot of issues, but at the same time, I would consider myself one of those blade fans for life. So my, my score does not match up at all with how much I freaking enjoyed this movie. And I would, I would maybe turn it on again right now. It was <laughs> just knowing that, man, I'm going to get to see Wesley Snipes deliver some of those lines uh, I won't mention them again because we've done it enough. We can't just play the hits, but it's a 65. It's it's not, it's bad. It's not good, um, but it's very enjoyable. It's hilarious. And I don't think it tried to be, but it's so stinking funny. I love Wesley Snipes. I think vampires are corny, but yeah, overall 65, but man, I, I liked it. I'm really glad that I picked it. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching it so much. I think you might have liked it more than me, but Ray rated it. Right. I, th- I, think, I think that's exactly where we're at. And that's okay. That's okay. No, I think that that's an important distinction to make, that you can think a movie's bad and still really, really like it. Or you can, what's the opposite there? I've lost my train of thought. You can think that a movie's, oh, yeah. You can appreciate a movie's greatness. Like, man, that's a well-made movie, but it's not for me. I don't like it. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I liked it. It was good, but I'm not going to watch it again. All right. One one quick thing that we, it's kind because of, it's not really about the movie, but we talked briefly about it when I mentioned that we were going to watch this this week because they're re, rebooting Blade and he's going to be part of the MCU after watching this, I'm very sad that it's not Wesley Snipes. Even is Wesley Snipes alive? I should know that. He, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. ETF Nation. Sorry. I'm. Yeah. We're we're a Wesley Snipes podcast. Just want to dead or alive. <laughs> we're big fans. Um, so Mahershala Ali is going to play Blade. What are your What are your anticipations? Your thoughts about them weaving that into the MCU? What do you think? Hmm. Um, great question. I can go first if you want to think about it. Cause I got, I got some thoughts. No, I'll go first. Okay. Um, go ahead. I'm going to watch it, but I'm not psyched about it. Um, okay. I think with these types of movies, like this is a nineties movie, a nineties narrative that should stay in the nineties. Um, <laughs> It doesn't need to rehash itself. Um, I know there were obviously other blades that were created in the early 2000s. Um, 
I feel like as a culture, we we're we're okay with moving on. Um, Herschel Ali is a great actor. Um, I feel like if you're not going to get Wesley Snipes, that's that might be the next best option. Um, but and then in terms of just the current climate with the MCU, we talk about like the more not slapstick, but the really blatant, cheesy, trying to be funny lines. And while they work in this blade, again, 90s movie. I don't know if it's going to reciprocate in the world today or if they're going to try to change the atmosphere of the Blade world. Um, I'm going to watch it and I'm sure we'll watch it and we'll talk about it, whether through the pod or not. Um, But I'm not psyched about it. Yeah. I would, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like I'm definitely more excited for it now that we've watched this, just because I'm I'm interested mm-hmm. and I, I I like the character for sure. I I have no idea how the heck they make this fit into, like you said, the cookie cutter MCU movies. This movie is dark. There's blood. There is f words, and I don't think you can make Blade if it's not like that. So I don't know how you put blade next to uh Groot and (laughs) like those it's hard for me to believe that those two guys exist in the same universe which they do but I think that that's going to be the toughest thing for them to figure out is who the heck's going to team up here and we also have Morbius who's in the same universe who is also a half man half vampire and I, like I'm so unexcited for Morbius, I want to see it just because I think it's going to be terrible. I think Blade will be hopefully better, but yeah, how do you, how the heck do you call this an MCU movie? And I mean, that's what the MCU is now: is people teaming up. One one thought I did have while watching this movie, I think it was just during the bloodbath scene. I was like. Yeah, I'm not going to picture Iron Man showing up right now. <laughs> like that's that's not happening in this in this place. Captain America ain't setting foot in this <laughs> this bloodbath rave. Um so yeah, that that'll that'll be interesting to see and I think that that's where the MCU's at where they have they have Venom, they have Morbius, they have like even Deadpool. They're on the outs. They're on the outside of this the movies that they keep making. So I mean, that'll be interesting to see what they do, though. Yeah, we'll definitely tune in. Um, yeah, I gave my thoughts. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Do you know when it's like the timeline when it's said to be released or? I have no idea. I'll look it up. But one other thing that um, I think they have to have to have to have Wesley Snipes have a cameo in this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. OK, just quick Google search. Uh this is literally the first thing that pops up on Google, so it could not even be true. It seems Marvel has accidentally revealed the Blade reboot release date, which is scheduled for release on October 7th of this year, 2022. Whoa. So I would I'd be surprised if it came out that soon. I have, I've heard nothing about it at all. Yeah, that seems pretty quick. Yeah, but um, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I'll go see that in October. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. Did you see the rate? Did you check the ratings for this one? I didn't even look. For the the old one? 
Yeah, for the one we watched. Uh, yeah, I'll look that up too. Um, why don't we transition? And I'll I'll throw this in there. Why don't we transition to what's going on in uh, our teacher worlds? Yeah, teacher world. Um, like I said last week, I was preparing for that AP Saturday session last week. It went well. Um, a lot of prep stuff for that went into it. Um, this week, I was a part of the interview team to basically interview new ELA English candidates. Um, found somebody that I think is going to be good. But it takes a lot, a lot of time out of your day. Long nights, very busy. Um, like I was pretty not lethargic before recording this, but definitely tired. Um, the conversation picked up and I'm, I'm energized again with that bang energy drink. Um, tired, but okay with it at this point. I'm feeling good. I'm interviewing always makes me feel blessed to be in the position that we're in where we're at places where we truly like to be. Um, and just, doing things like that and just talking about content that we truly enjoy and talking about it with kids. And I have really good kids this year. Shout out to any of my students who are probably not listening to this. Um, welcome to TTF nation. Um, <laughs> in film class specifically, I mentioned um, we're starting vertigo next week. Kids don't know this yet. They're finishing up their Truman show essays this week. I want to do something with the motifs in the film and how they, connect back to one of the essential questions um one being like how far will a person in power go to maintain that power um Ooh. when does love turn into an obsession i think i could pull in some contemporary kanye articles there but i won't um yeah you know i think both of those questions if you maybe want to call an audible and get fired both those questions could work for Blade. Like <laughs> when Deacon Frost just consumed with power and we talked briefly about love and I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's kind of strange, but <laughs> no, man, those are, those are great questions though. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 57% critic score for Blade and 78% audience score. So right there with you. Oh, wow. 78. <laughs> That's um, bizarre. Yeah. As far as uh, my teacher world, um, I, I talked on the last episode about coaching track. Here's a great moment. They, they asked me to go coach some high jump today. Have I ever high jumped in my life? No, no, I have not. Did I do it first try? No problem. Cause I'm an elite athlete. Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Uh, was it set to the seventh grade girl's height? Yes, it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I do think that we, and we've talked about this before that uh, that's what we do as teachers and coaches is, you know, you just get thrown into something and maybe you don't know what you're doing, but just the mindset of a teacher, you're going to figure out how to do it pretty quick. And like, I, I felt by the end of the 30 minutes that I was like, I was, I, I knew what I was doing, even though I'd never done it before. So I like that feeling of I could teach anything. Um, maybe not another language or something like that, but 
if I get if I get five minutes to watch it, I I could bank something up. For sure, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm proud of you. I Just could probably. I could. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I I could probably learn that weird vampire language that they speak in Blade. Like, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. I love that. Yeah. Let, let's not talk about that. Yeah, yeah. we won't. We won't cycle back. <laughs> All right. I mentioned before we recorded that there's just things that we see or hear in the hallways or in our classrooms that, you know, I don't know if people would believe it if if we said it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say it anyways. And they're I mean, they're dumb things. Um, but here's an example. So just quick little thing. I, I took a kid's phone. I believe this was yesterday. I never take kids phones, hardly ever, uh, unless it's a, a really big problem. And it wasn't a really big problem, but I was more messing with him. Um, this kid decides I take his phone. He gets on his Chromebook and on an assignment on Google classroom, you get an email anytime a kid comments on like their, okay, so this is at 2 46 PM. Can I get my phone back, please? <laughs> please spell PLS, by the way. Um, okay, this is again at 2.46. Can I pretty please get my phone back? He's typing this on a Chromebook through Google Classroom. This is how much he cares. Um, okay, 2.47 now, moments later. I'll give you $7. <laughs> okay, again, 2.47. I won't play games. And, and 248, this is what he finished with. I need to text my dada. And that's how he spelled it. <laughs> D-A-D-A. Okay. So we go from, can I get my phone back? Pretty please. $7. I won't play games. I need to text my pops. <laughs> this is on the span of, of two minutes. Yeah. And people who don't know the intricacies of Google Classroom, he's making comments that literally everybody in the class can see. <laughs> everybody can go in and read what he is saying yes that, that that may be an important point that i that i left off uh but no, i just i found that hilarious absolutely hilarious and like i think i i don't want anybody to think that i was upset with this kid when i take a kid's phone it's never i'm never angry um i i was laughing at this extremely hard it was it was funny man <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> I haven't taken a phone in a while, probably since I've stopped teaching 10th grade. Um, yeah, that, that's, how, that's how it goes. <laughs> yep, they get older, they, they kind of start to figure it out. Yeah, at that point when they get older, I'm like, dude, if, it, if you're going to be on your phone, like, you know what you need to do. Like, and usually the kids know, like, I can take a two minute break and then get on, which get back to work, which I'm okay with. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but one, we talked about the weird kind of um, steamy scenes in Blade earlier. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, I saw, Uh-oh. I'm not going to get into too much detail with this, Uh-oh. but <laughs> my, my, uh, my classroom, you exit the room and you take a right and you walk down the hall a little bit and then there's the restroom. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was on my way over there as I do on my plan. Um, and there's like a little pocket of hallway right next to that. It's always the pocket, man. They yeah. find a pocket. Yeah, the corner, the pocket. They found it. Um, <laughs> guy and girl in the corner um, put their backpacks in front of them as they thought like that would be like a, like a bunker that they could hide in. Um, and I just see the guy 
like uh-oh nibbling the girl's ear ew man that's <laughs> way worse than i thought it was gonna be i'd rather them be making out <laughs> no he's like nibbling her ear and she was looking like she wasn't enjoying it and she wanted someone to stop it or something and i just kept going oh. <laughs> it's, it's tough in those awkward situations like what the uh, wow wow the, the nibbling of the year maybe he's a vampire man yeah 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 i'm not gonna comment on that or anything else um yeah weird moment that i just saw like two days ago yep that i mean that happens the pda you know i like though that i I don't know if this is happening at your school but i mean this is a very freshman thing is to just call out the pda when, when you see it, it's just to make as big a deal about it as you can to embarrass the party that is doing the the PDA in. Um, and you know, I'm I'm kind of I like that. I'm for that. <laughs> I'm about it. I don't see a whole lot of PDA if I'm being honest. Me either. Um, yeah, because I'm God. not in the main building. Um, I did see when COVID started. This is another weird thing. When COVID started and we had to wear the masks, um, this was like day two or day three of wearing the masks. And I walk into the main building because I had to make copies that day. And like down the hall, like not even close to me, like maybe a hundred yards down the hall, not that far, but you get the point. Um, Everybody has to wear their masks. And then I just see just two kids just sucking face, chin strapping their masks (laughs) just in the middle of the hall. And again, I was like, you know, too early in the day for me to confront that. So I took a left and I kept it moving. That might be another thing, maybe for a podcast another time, but the amount of things that you see or hear as a teacher that you, there, it just goes in the head and you're like, um, how am I feeling? Do I, <laughs> yeah. do I want to address this or just act like, you know what, maybe I didn't hear hear that. Maybe I didn't see that. Because if you did say, I'm going to stop everything that I hear and everything that I see, you really wouldn't be a teacher anymore because you'd be doing it 24-7. Yeah, you got to make that executive decision. Um, some things, obviously, there are non-negotiables. Of course. Absolutely have to intervene. Um, but yeah, sometimes you can um, call the audible, as you said, so... Yeah, if you ever walk into the gym and there is blood coming out of the sprinklers in the <laughs> yeah. ceiling, you know, of course we're gonna we're gonna say something about that. Something um, might be going on. Yeah. And we're gonna be looking for Wesley Snipes in the corner. Um, because <laughs> I don't think we're gonna we're gonna do too well ourselves. But yeah, yeah. All right, man. You got anything else? You ready to get out of here? Um, I'm gonna give you the film. Oh my week. goodness, I can't believe I forgot. We gotta watch a movie. Yeah, I'm giving you the film, and then I'm gonna ready to say the magical two words. Okay. Um, Suck so, it. Next week, um, you know, we've been watching the past two weeks with Blade and the Wrestler, two very action charged, um, almost not toxic, but very like masculine esque movies, and like trying to assert dominance through violence and things of that nature 
Um, I think I know what film you're going to choose the following week after I choose. And so I'm trying to think about something we can add to our wheelhouse that we have not dabbled with yet. And so I thought of one film. I don't think you've seen it. Um, We both love and adore the director. Mm -hmm. We know him for older movies, um, primarily in the samurai world. Mm, Yes. This is not a samurai film. Okay. Um, But we are going to be watching Akira Kurosawa's 1952 film, Akiru. This can be found on Amazon Prime, as well as another one that I wrote down, but I forgot. Um, Amazon Prime and HBO Max. Let me read you a quick, quick synopsis. Those who are listening, it's Akiru, I-K-I-R-U. By Akira Kurosawa, or he is the director, I would say. Um, Basically, um, I don't want to read this full one. Uh, You know what? I'm not going to read it to you. You're going to have to tune in next week. Um, It's more of a sentimental film. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say about it, because I haven't seen it. So what, what do I know? Okay, and just to be clear, I K I R U. Correct. Okay, I. I mean, I think it's a great pick already. I love Akira Kurosawa. I have not seen this movie. Uh, I've seen some other ones. So, but yeah, I mean, speaking of masterpieces, that was going to be one of my masterpieces. Is I mean, Seven Samurai and mm-hmm. uh, High and Low, both very different, both from Akira Kurosawa. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped for Ikiru. Yeah, strap up. Um, it's about two and a half hours, um, so plan accordingly. Two and a half hours, black and white. This, it, I mean, this could not be more different than Blade. Yeah, yeah, and Great that's pick. why we're doing it. We're 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 diverse. We're you know we're not we're Swiss Army knives, as you said in a couple episodes ago. Um, we do it all, baby. So yeah, Ikiru next week. Stay tuned. All right, sweet. I'm ready. Alrighty, sir. Well, TTF Nation, Akiru next time. Until then, do your homework, stay up to date on things, and peace out. Peace out. Peace out.